Good morning. All right, we are continuing our series entitled Bridges. Uh, this is the third in the series, and, and what we're doing in this series is looking at God's design for churches and how He desires that everyone who comes into His family gets incorporated into a local church like this one, into a local body of believers. And the idea of bridges are the different ways, the different connection points between people and a, a church. Um, or to use the um, picture that Tyler used in, in his first couple of messages on this, if you think of a church as a boat, okay, and you see people standing on the banks of the river, the idea is what are the ways to connect people, to get them off the banks of the river and actually in the boat? Um, so you could call the series, I, I suppose, gangplanks, if that helps better. <laughs> Getting people into the boat and then uh, helping them become part of the crew, handing them an oar, and then they begin to paddle and help move the boat forward. That's kind of the idea here. Um, so I, I don't know what image comes into your mind when you think of the church as a boat. Okay, but if it's anything like this, if this is what you think of, that's not it. Okay, a church... A church is not like a cruise ship where everyone is on vacation enjoying the luxurious accommodations. Uh, in fact, a, a church is probably more like this. That's a joke. That's a joke. Ha ha. No. Now actually, if I were going to give a picture of a boat that I think best represents what a church is, it would be this. Okay. A church is a boat on a mission, on a mission, on a mission like a Coast Guard vessel on a search and rescue mission to, to rescue those in distress. We are here to accomplish the rescue mission of our commander-in-chief, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let me tell you where today's message is going. The point of today's message is just as a Coast Guard vessel has officers to keep the crew on mission and to uh, keep the boat headed in the right direction and to keep everybody on board safe. So churches have leaders called elders whose responsibility it is is to guide and to guard the church as it pursues its mission from Jesus. Now, there's a lot we could talk about here. Uh, the Bible has a lot to say about this. I'm just going to focus on a few things that I think will be most helpful for you to understand what elders are and what they do, what their role is, and more uh, specifically for all of you, to, if you're not an elder, to help you understand what your role is in relationship to them. So, and the goal of all of this is to help everybody get better connected. Okay, we're really seeking to do a better job of that as a church, 
to improve our ways of helping people get connected. So that's the goal. So let me, let me raise and deal with three questions about elders this morning, okay? And the first question is, what are they? What are they? Uh, you hear the word elder, you might immediately think old guys, okay? That's not so much what we're talking about. The consistent teaching of the New Testament, all right, this is consistent throughout the New Testament, is that churches, like this one, okay, so you become a Christian, you become part of the big family of God, right? But that family of God always meets and gathers in local expressions, local churches, and the Bible knows nothing of Christians who are a member of the big church who are not also at the same time connected into a local church, a church, local church family. The teaching is that churches are led by a team of spiritual shepherds called elders or sometimes called overseers. Those two terms are interchangeable in the New Testament. Elders or overseers who guide them and guard them. Guide and guard. Now you can see this in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Peter, the apostle, writes this. He says, To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder, a witness of Christ's sufferings, and one who will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds or pastors. I don't know if you know it, but the word pastor means shepherd. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers. So, Churches need a team of elders or overseers who shepherd them, who oversee them. That's where we get the idea of guiding and guarding. Now, this picture of a shepherd. Uh, We don't really live in a shepherding economy, but in Bible times they certainly did. And the picture of a shepherd is that, I mean, literal shepherds with literal sheep What did they do? Well, they led their sheep to pasture, to, to, you know, as Psalm 23 says, to green pastures and still waters. Why? So they can eat and drink, so they, they can be nourished and grow. So they led them, and they also protected them from harm, from predators, and so on, and from their own foolishness as they wandered and, you know, fell off cliffs and things like that. So, in a similar way, similar now, here's the, here's the connection. Elders function as spiritual shepherds who guide church members for their spiritual growth and guard them for their spiritual protection. Now, I said team of elders... Because in the New Testament, in New Testament times, churches were always led by elders, plural, never by a solo elder or solo pastor, head pastor, senior pastor, lead pastor, whatever. You say, well, what difference does that make? I actually think it matters. And and here's one, I can give you several reasons. I could talk about this for a long time. I'm going to try to restrain myself. But let me give you what I think is the most important reason why churches are to be led by a team and not by a solo individual. If a church is structured so that one leader is the leader, 
he tends to get way too much attention and way too much credit. We have a tendency as human beings, particularly as Americans, to idolize strong individual leaders. We do that. And, uh, and that happens in the Christian community. I don't know if you've noticed this, but if you notice, we tend to refer to churches by who their main leader is. Oh, such and such a church. Well, pastor so-and-so, that's his church. Or we'll say, oh, you know, pastor so-and-so, the guy who writes all those amazing books and everything, he's the pastor of the church of what's happening now or whatever. Okay, here's the thing, though. You don't find anything like that in the Bible. Look. Look and try to find who the guy was for Corinth or Thessalonica or Ephesus. You won't. It's not there. Instead, you find elders, overseers, leaders, usually unnamed. And I think it's important because the Bible teaches us to regard Jesus as the head of the church. Not just in some vague, abstract, universal sense, but in very practical ways, even in the local church that we would very practically rely on Him, praying and seeking His guidance and following His instructions, following Him. Look, if Jesus is the head of the church, then nobody else is. And I think it's easier to remember that and it's easier to practice that if a church is led by a team. I think the biblical pattern is important. All right, that's enough on that. So, elders, spiritual shepherds who guide and guard. Now, how do they do that? What are they supposed to do exactly? Uh, that's question number two, what elders do. Now, if this were a seminar on how to be an elder, uh, I'd have a, a, too much to talk about in, in my time here. So I'm just going to quickly overview three main responsibilities that Scripture gives to elders. First responsibility is the teaching responsibility. The teaching responsibility. 1 Timothy 3.2 says an overseer, elder, must be able to teach, able to instruct. And when the Bible talks about spiritual shepherding, the emphasis is on instructing God's people in God's word. That's the emphasis. Okay, you can see this, for example, in Mark 6.34. Jesus and his disciples have just crossed over the Sea of Galilee, actually looking for some away time, some downtime, and they get there and there's a huge crowd waiting for them. And I always marvel at Jesus' response compared to how I'd be feeling in my spirit. It says, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So here are people that, that are like sheep without shepherds. So what does he do? He began teaching them many things. So spiritual shepherds need to make sure that a church is learning and living out what God has revealed to us in Scripture. Now, why? Why is that such a big deal? Well, you think about it. God has revealed to us who He is. He has revealed to us 
who we are. He has revealed to us what our problem is. He has revealed to us what his solution to our problem is. Apart from that, we know nothing. We can't know anything for sure about God, really, about who he really is. And we can't know how to be right with him. We can't know what our biggest problem is. And we don't even know for sure how really to live. We don't know what life's all about. We're just guessing. We're just wandering around like sheep without a shepherd. So we need to be taught. And elders have been given this responsibility to make sure this is happening in a church. Titus 1.9 says, An elder must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught so he can encourage others by sound doctrine, sound teaching, and refute those who oppose it. Now look at that. Hold firmly. What is that picture? That pictures that elders really believe it. And it means they live by it every day, not just on Sunday, not just when somebody's watching. You know, if you look at the qualifications for elders, the lists, they put a lot of emphasis on their example, how they live. What kind of, what kind of guys are these, really? How do they live? What kind of husbands are they? What kind of fathers are they? What kind of reputation do they have with their neighbors? with their co-workers, with people who do business with them. Why is their example so important? Because we don't learn just by being told. We learn by being shown. And if you're a parent, you already know this. Because you can sit your kids down and you can teach them all this stuff and tell them how to live. And what do they do? They end up doing what you do. They follow your example, which at times is very disconcerting. We don't learn just by being told, we learn by being shown. And so Philippians 3.17, the Apostle Paul says, Join with others in following my example, brothers, and take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. So elders are not only to explain what following Christ is, they're to show us what it looks like. And notice it also says they're, they're to be able to refute False teaching. That sounds weird in our culture where, where truth is just not taken very seriously. Refute false teaching. But see, we have to understand here, this isn't talking about matters of personal opinion. Okay, so, you know, an elder, because he's an elder, it's not as if his opinion counts more than anybody else's. You know, so, you know, we're just sharing opinions and preferences and those guys get to impose their preference. No, no, that's not what we're talking about. We are talking about truths that really matter. Like who Jesus is, really. And why he came. And what he came to accomplish. And why he died on a cross. And why he rose from the dead. And how... We become right with God, not through ritual, not through our performance, but through faith in Jesus alone. And, and how he wants us to live, what his mission is. See, we've got to realize that when we're talking about false ideas about those things, we're not just talking about differences of opinion. 
We're talking about deadly falsehoods because falsehoods about those things lead people away from the true and living God. And so elders need to point out false ideas, even if they happen to be popular false ideas, because that's part of guarding and guiding. Okay, so the teaching responsibility. Second responsibility, the missional responsibility. One of the jobs of church leadership is to make sure that we are following Jesus and his agenda and not anybody else's agenda, because... (laughs) There are a lot of different ideas out there about what churches ought to be all about, what churches ought to do, uh, what, what programs they ought to have, and so on. Everybody's got different ideas about the church, but see, um, we don't get to vote on what our mission is. As Americans, we love to vote. We want to vote on everything. Okay. Well, we do vote on some things around here, but we don't get to vote on mission. Hey, what should we do as a church? What should we be all about? No. We get our mission from Jesus. Okay, and he's made it very clear what his mission is that we're to embrace. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. See how he starts? Listen up, people, because what I'm about to tell you has all the authority of heaven and earth behind it. This is it. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And that last piece tells us many wonderful things that he's with us is the most key part of that. But notice it also tells us how long the mission lasts until the end of the age. We're not there yet. So the mission is still in effect. What's our mission? To make disciples. To make Jesus followers. Or as we like to say it around here, and you can see it on the back of your worship folder, our purpose, our mission is to connect people to the God who made them through faith in Jesus Christ, to friends who help them, a church family, and to a world that needs them. Making disciples, that's our mission. And elders need to keep us on mission. So, you know, setting the broad, okay, that's our heading. Let's, let's make sure we're headed there. That's the missional responsibility. Third, the pastoral responsibility or pastoral care. Caring for the needs of the flock. And this includes things like praying for you, encouraging you, challenging you to grow in your relationship with Christ, helping you be connected to your church family, being aware when you are going through difficult times. You know, the elders talk about, uh, the Bible talks about elders praying for the sick, helping the weak. Those are a couple things. Now, I want to clarify something. As you think about you know, caring for the needs we all have within the body, uh, the Bible's very clear that caring for one another, that's not the exclusive job of the elders. As if they do that, nobody else does. Actually, Tyler referred to that a couple of weeks ago when we saw in Ephesians 4, that leaders 
are there to equip the saints. That's you. You're either a saint or an ain't. That's the only (laughs) options. Okay? Equip the saints for works of ministry, service, help one another. Uh, It's not just their job. Look at um, James 2.15. This is not addressed to elders. This is addressed to all believers. If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, that's brother or sister in Christ, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warm, be filled, without giving them the things needed for their body, what good is that? It's a rhetorical question. What's the answer? It's no good. No good. So all believers are responsible to care for one another, but elders are to set the example and do what they can to make sure the needs are being met. Sometimes directly, many times by delegating, making sure the family is taking care of one another. So those are three major responsibilities for elders. Now what about you? What if you're not an elder? Most of you aren't. What are your responsibilities? What's your role? Okay, I'm going to give you three responsibilities of church members. And these are just as important as the responsibilities of elders. Okay, first one. Choose your elders carefully. Choose your elders carefully. In several places in the New Testament, we have lists of qualifications for elders. All right, so in Titus chapter 1, Paul is writing to his co-worker Titus. He's just been on the island of Crete. He's proclaimed the gospel. Many have become believers, and now they're being established in new churches. And Paul tells Titus, you need to make sure every church has elders, plural, And then he says this, an elder must be blameless. That does not mean perfect. That means he's got a good reputation. The husband of but one wife, a man whose children believe or whose children are faithful, and they, not uh, the children, are not open to a charge of being wild and disobedient. Since an overseer is entrusted with God's work, he must be blameless, not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. Rather, he must be hospitable, one who loves what's good, one who is self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. Phew. Now, the thing I want you to see here is Paul doesn't say, hey, Titus, these churches need elders. Quick, find some warm bodies. Quick, find some people who don't have anything better to do and put them in charge. No, he gives very specific standards of spiritual leadership, which means the members of the church need to use those scriptural standards in choosing their spiritual shepherds. Now, obviously, this is not about finding perfect men (laughs) for the simple reason they don't exist. Okay, elders are fallible. They're, they're, They're human There are no perfect men. This is talking about finding men who authentically love Jesus, who authentically, genuinely love his church, and who have demonstrated a pattern of faithfulness at home, at work, in pursuing God's will. So choose your elders carefully. That's the first responsibility. Second, pray for them. Pray for them. 
Look, the Apostle Paul, one of the greatest Christian leaders of all time, in 1 Thessalonians 5.25, says of himself and his co-workers, he says, brothers, pray for us. Pray for us. Now, if the Apostle Paul needed people praying for him, I guarantee your elders need people praying for them. They need you to pray for them. They really do. Because there are a lot of challenges in spiritual leadership. And sometimes it's overwhelming. And your elders are human. They're just as in need of God's daily sustaining grace as anybody else. And you take that, you take that everyday need and you add to it this, that Satan is determined to destroy churches and one of his most prominent strategies is to go after the leaders and attempt them to fail, particularly at home. They got targets painted on their backs. You need to pray for them. If you're not currently praying for them, put them on your list. At least once a week, if not more. So pray. What are you going to pray for? Pray that they'll walk with Jesus with humility and 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 that they will walk closely with him and that, that God will help them resist any temptation to depart from his way. Pray for them. They need, your, they need wisdom. They need your prayers. And then third, responsibility. <laughs> Did I really write follower? Is that what that says? Okay, it's follow. <laughs> Typo. Just reminding you, elders are fallible. <laughs> <laughs> Good one. Follow their leadership. All right, I want to read to you Hebrews thirteen seventeen, which I doubt any of you have made a memory verse. Buckle up. Hebrews thirteen seventeen. Obey your leaders and submit to them. Why? Because they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning. For that would be of no advantage to you. Look, this is for your advantage. Obey? Submit? Now there's a pair of popular words. I'm not sure we as American Christians even have a file folder for, you know, what does that even mean? Okay, well, I'll tell you one thing it doesn't mean. It does not mean passive compliance. That's not what it means. Okay, submission doesn't mean that in marriage, and it doesn't mean that in a church family. It's not passive compliance. It's talking about active cooperation and teamwork. Pick up that paddle. Let's go. Active cooperation and teamwork. Why? To fulfill the mission. These guys can't do it. we got to do it together. In other words, what we're talking here about, following our leadership, we're talking about doing your best to help your leaders succeed as they pursue Jesus and his mission for you for the church, and they try to involve you in that. When they try to involve you in the mission, when they try to involve you in spiritual growth, follow their leadership. 
Okay, you know why? Because they want you. Look, if these guys are, are real, you know, if they genuinely meet the qualifications and they're genuinely seeking the Lord, what do they want for you? I guarantee you, they do not wake up in the morning and say, now what can I do to irritate and frustrate <laughs> these people? They don't. What do they want for you? They want you to be a healthy, growing disciple of Jesus. And they want you to be involved in the work of making disciples, involved in the mission. A healthy, growing disciple who's involved in making disciples. That's what they want for you. And so when they try to lead you in that, follow their leadership. Follow their leadership. Here's a little tip. Assume the best of their motives. Okay? And if they do something you disagree with, talk to them, not about them. Talk to them and talk to them with an attitude of helpfulness. It's like, hey, brother, I appreciate, you know, the, the role you have and the, the responsibilities you bear. And, you know, I realize not everybody's going to agree with you all the time. Hey, as a matter of fact, I don't. But, man, I'm here. I want to see our church succeed. I want to see our church fulfill the mission. Can we just have a conversation about this? You bet. You bet. Now, maybe you, th- you don't think much of this whole spiritual shepherding idea. Maybe that sounds like a bad idea to you. I just want to point out whose idea it is. It's not mine. It's not the elders of this church. Spiritual shepherding is God's idea. He's the one who decided we need spiritual shepherds. Okay? So if you, if you think differently, I just encourage you to take it up with him. And did you notice here, (laughs) did you notice, I'm laughing, but actually I'm not. This is kind of, this is very intimidating. These shepherds are going to have to give an account. They're going to have to give a report to Jesus. About what? Well, about how they led. And about how you followed. And it says, let them do this with joy and not with groaning. In other words, when your elders talk to Jesus about you, you don't want them to give a bad report. So don't be that guy. Don't be that gal that your elders groan about. You don't want that. And when you say, when Jesus asks them, hey, tell me about um, Brother Fred and Sister Ethel. You want your elders to go, Yes, let me tell you about them. They were such an encouragement. They were so faithful. Man, they, they had their struggles, and sometimes we, we wept together, but man, they just, Lord, they, they just were on it. They loved you, and they were following you. You don't want them, when they say, tell me about, he says, tell me about Fred Ethel, that the elder goes, oh, Well, Lord, I'm sorry to say they just weren't very cooperative. Now, if if the elder's going to say anything negative, this is the only thing you want him to say. You know, Lord, frankly, I did not lead them very well. But I'll tell you what, they were a great follower. Now, I want to wrap this up with just a couple of comments about our situation here at Flight of Bible Church. First of all, I want you to know 
What an incredible honor I think it is to serve this church along with three other men as your elders. It is a huge privilege to partner with these guys and to share with them equally the responsibility of shepherding God's flock here at Philida. These men, you need to know, these men love Jesus and these men love you. And what they want is they want this church to faithfully follow Jesus and his leadership. Because they understand he is the pastor. He is the shepherd. He is the head of this church. We exist as under shepherds to shepherd this church as he wants it led. So it's a great privilege. And if you're a church member, you need to know one of these guys is committed to praying for you and your family at least once a week. At least once a week. Now, if, you don't, if you're a member and you don't know who your elder is, by all means, call the church office and find out. We try to let you know that, but you know if we failed, uh, call the church office, find out. And then when you have a need, let him know. Text him, email him, call him, let him know. He wants to pray for you. He wants to help you. And please pray for him. And when he contacts you and asks you how you're doing, tell him honestly. Tell him how you're really doing. Believe it or not, he doesn't want to bother you. He doesn't want to judge you. He doesn't want to criticize you. He wants to help you, help you trust and follow Jesus. Uh, Something that's hopefully coming soon is uh, we as elders are going to begin this uh, idea of having a spiritual checkup periodically with all of the people that we oversee. And so uh, when that opportunity comes up, don't be intimidated by it. Again, the goal is not to judge you, criticize you, hassle you. The goal is to encourage you and to help you uh, follow Jesus. Now, you can always contact any of the elders here about anything, but your elder is the one who prays for you and your family the most regularly. Now, those connect cards that we have in the folder there, Okay, that's one way to communicate prayer requests. And by the way, whether you're a member or not, anytime you put a prayer request on there, that gets prayed for by all the elders, okay? So you don't have to be a member to get prayed for by any means. Um, But if you're not a member, I really want to strongly encourage you to consider it. Okay, and I know Tyler's going to be leading a membership orientation class of some kind here coming up, I think it's in October, but if you're interested in finding out what be, what's involved in being a member and the commitments of that, uh, you could just write the word membership on your Connect card, and we'll put you on the list, and when that class is coming, we'll let you know. Um, but here's why I think membership, this is one reason, Tyler talked about several two weeks ago, but here's one reason why I think that matters. Membership lets the elders know who we're responsible to shepherd, okay? That's how we know who has made the commitment to be a part of this church family and has given us permission to act as their spiritual shepherds. So that's a really good reason for pursuing membership. And if you're not a member, I encourage you there. Okay, there you go. Um. There are some important responsibilities to think about. Obviously, more uh, food for discussion. So I encourage you and your groups and so on to have 
more conversation about that. If you have any questions about what I've talked about, you're always uh, welcome to talk to me and the other guys, um, the other elders. We'd be happy to talk to you about it. All right? Let me invite us to uh, invite you to pray with me. Father, I want to thank you for this boat, this boatload of believers called Philida Bible Church. Thank you for the mission you've given us. Uh, and Lord, I just thank you for uh, uh, everybody involved. And, uh, and Lord, you have given us many leaders of many ministries uh, who aren't elders, but who do a wonderful job of leading. And then you've given us these guys who uh, oversee. And Lord, that responsibility is one we want to take seriously and be faithful to. And Lord, will you just help us as a church family uh, be faithful to the mission? And uh, may we be a blessing to one another. May we be praying for one another, encouraging, challenging, helping one another get it done. Uh, Lord, and may, may we truly look to you as the head of this church. Lord, we want that to be true and practical and real in every way. And that's why we pray and say, Lord, help us. Help us do your will for your glory and for our good. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.